Welcome to the Impact Church Aurora podcast. We pray that this week's message encourages you, engages you, and equips you to make an impact in the world around you. Now, get ready to receive the Word of God. So when I was a kid, um, I grew up 547 College Avenue. The entire family, you know, generations of kids growing up there. We would um, all congregate at 547 College Avenue for every barbecue, every holiday. Um, it was very tight-knit, like all the Elgin, all the, we had Kankakee coming out. We had, uh, you know, right around the corner, but everybody met up at 547 College Avenue. So we had a lot of, a lot of stories and a lot of uh, memories. was smoke um, filling up my room. Then I noticed it's coming from behind the door. I run to the door, I open the door, and black smoke starts filling the, um, filling the room like very fast. I try to look downstairs, but it's just black smoke just, just coming in as fast as possible. I yell for help and nobody can help me. And then it just starts overwhelming me completely. And I start coughing, I can't see. I jump out of my window onto this small, uh, landing that we have right outside my window. And I'm sitting there on the roof, black smoke coming out of the windows there. My entire block, like people I've watched grow up, grown up with, are like lined up along this black fence, crying and screaming and, you know, just like, I hear a whole bunch of people calling my name, oh my God, it's Christian. And I'm like, what is going on? Long story short, the window started exploding and I thought, if I fall through this roof here, I could possibly break my neck, so I have to get down from here. I was about 13 feet up, so I just took a deep breath and jumped off the roof. I had broken my foot. It had actually come off of my leg, and it was hanging there by skin. I didn't know I was hurt that bad until one of the cops actually came over. The grass, it was so dry that summer, they, they told me actually that me jumping down onto that grass was like the equivalent of jumping down straight onto concrete. They put a splint on me and that's when I started feeling like, oh, I can't move my toes. Like what's wrong with my, my leg right now? I can't really feel. And they, I felt them move my leg like real uh, abruptly, like just moving real hard and come find out my foot was actually stuck. My bone was stuck in the ground like a scarecrow, kind of they said. So here we are. This is where I jumped from, from the fire. Came through the window, tied the blanket around me, or the sheet rather, like a toga. Watching all the people watching me. All these windows, kids' faces in them. This. This part right here was added on. This, this wasn't here before. This is the new dining room that they added when they rebuilt everything. This is actually where I fell, ground level right here, where I broke my leg. So in a... In a about two year window, we lost uh, my great grandmother Vivian, my grandmother Gail, uh, and my uncle Bruce, as well as our house, 
and 50 years of memories, it felt like headquarters was gone because you always go back to 547 to gather yourself. That's where we met for everything. So when you go through a situation where you get to your lowest, like, and I don't mean your lowest, like you have one loss. When you get to just a season of loss, like my family went through. When you're in that place, you don't think you can be here. Like I didn't think anything that happened was part of the story, so to say. I, I thought it was final. I thought it was over, it's done. Now we're just gonna be picking up crumbs. But from there, you rebuild. And when you rebuild, and you rebuild through faith with God, and according to his will, and start walking with him, the, the things that you can accomplish are beyond amazing. I think about what my life would be like today if the fire never happened all the time. I was not in the same place that I'm at now mentally. And I don't think I could ever be here had it not have been for the learning process I had to go through to get back on my feet, to get another job, to go to college, to get married, to just have all these milestones happen in a five-year period. I don't think I'd be, I don't think I'd be here. So yeah, of course there's going to be trials and tribulations. But now, not only did you have that learning experience, but now you can go share it with somebody. Because in the end, the ultimate goal is to help others. Like if I see somebody that's got an injury, I can tell them, hey man, they told me I wasn't gonna walk the same again, and I'm still crossing people over on the basketball court. It doesn't matter, because it's not what, it's not what you go through, it's what you do after you go through it because what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I think right now, like looking back, I could have gotten down from that roof without being injured. I think there was so much adrenaline and so much uh, angst to like get away and just see what's really going on, like what's happening that I had to get down. I'm not really sure why, you know, everything happened, why it happened, but I know everything happened for the better, which is ironic that it was an accident that uh, led me to some of the best days of my life. Can you testify to his goodness today? Testify to his kindness today. Testify to his mercy today. Can you testify to his grace today? My God, how great you are. The scriptures teach us great is the Lord, but it doesn't stop there. It says he's greatly to be praised. Just for a moment, come on, open up your mouth and lift up a shout of praise to your great God today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Woo. Glory. Jesus. Man. Christian, I want to thank you, sir. For not only sharing a testimony, but sharing the truth of God's word that you are seeing him working all things together in your life for your good because you are called according to his purpose because you love him this goes without saying to anyone else in this room he loves you and he has a purpose and a plan for your life he's already laid it out he's not figuring it out he's laid it out that's what makes him the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end he knows the story already 
And in his loving kindness, he is leading you into all truth. My God. Maybe your, your calling isn't to catch snakes out of the island of Ireland. I don't know. What I do know is that God has got something powerful for you. For you. And this is why there's breath in your body right now. The Holy Spirit is convicting and correcting and drawing you close to the Father because there's purpose for you. You are a child of destiny. You notice I didn't say destiny's child. Hallelujah. You got to know who you are in Christ. You're a child of destiny. Amen. Woo, it's 12.15 and I got a lot to say. We're going to be able to do this today? Thank you, Lord. Okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, I, got at least, I got at least 10 people that will shout me on. I got 10 people to shout me on to help me out. Just help me get through this. Woo. Praise the Lord. I want to thank Reverend Joshua Welton for what he ministered last week. On two days notice. Praise the Lord. Come on now, somebody. Hey, that's, my brother's anointed. I want to thank everyone for your constant prayers for my daughter, Ella. Um, I believe asthma is a, an attack on the breath of God. I believe, in fact, I just want to curse it right now in the name of Jesus. Not just for Ella, but anybody else in this room who needs an inhaler or nebulizer or anything that ever comes against the very breath, the life of God within you. I curse it in the name of Jesus. I just pray the Holy Spirit will breathe new life into you today. Let your lungs function the way they're supposed to without the aid of anything else. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The, uh, man, I'm, I've got to get into this word, but I just feel the Spirit of God just want me to right now point on anything that has actually stood on your chest. Something that has weighed on, on you. Here's what I want to declare today in the name of Jesus. These very things that have tormented you, that have, if you will, wrapped their claws around you, even if it was something flat out demonic. I tell those spirits here today, I let them know, you have to bow your knee and you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. You have to. You have to. And I'm going to pray rest now. Rest for the people of God. Now God, you've got burdens to carry, you've got situations you've got to deal with, but I pray you rest through it knowing that God is more than able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power well I'm gonna get to that in a moment that worketh in us hallelujah so Reverend Joshua was talking about the glory I want to show you a an instance in scripture that is known as the transfiguration I titled the sermon today transfigured or prefigured that makes no sense. It's not, a, it's not a good sermon title. I got it. But it will as I get along. Okay. Transfigured or prefigured. Got a quick definition for you. Transfigured. You understand what this means. It means to change, to alter. Sometimes the word transformed is used to define transfigured, but it's actually different. Because transfigured doesn't speak about an external changing so much as what's happening already by design within. And now it's being revealed externally. Christ was transfigured in Matthew 17 and Luke 9, which we'll read from today. The other term I want to give you, so hopefully my sermon will make sense as we go along, is it's prefigured. Prefigured just simply this. It's an early indication of something. It's a foreshadow. 
39 books of the Old Testament are a prefigure to what was to come. It is an early indication of something else. It is a type and a shadow of its fulfillment. All pointing in one direction to the Word made flesh, Jesus. So what this is? The Old Testament is a prefiguration. On the mount known as transfiguration, Jesus was altered. He was changed. The Greek word is he was, it was metamorphosis, if you will. Something that was already on the inside, but now being revealed. Well, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. While we're going there, let's give you a quick little, little joke. This is something I used to do all the time back in the day, just because I like to laugh. There's a certain church that had beautiful stained glass windows just behind the pulpit. In it, it would depict Jesus Christ on the cross. One certain Sunday, there was a guest minister there who was actually much shorter than the regular pastors, like me and Pastor Ed. There was a little girl listening in the, uh, to the guest preacher for a while, and then she turned to her mother, and here's what she said to her mother. She said, Mama, where's the man who usually stands there so we can't see Jesus? Watch out, preachers. I will get out of the way so you can always see your Lord and Savior glorified in any church service. Luke chapter 9, verse 20. About eight days later, eight days later after what? Eight days later after Jesus first told his disciples, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be tried. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. About eight days later after he tells them this, Jesus takes Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. Come on, somebody. Some alone time with Jesus? Woo! And on a mountaintop at that? Somebody's love language would be fulfilled right there. Just that, just that quality time with Jesus. Hey, we good. Who wouldn't want that? I mean, literally, who would not want to go up to that mountain with Jesus? I got invited by the, by, by the Savior to go and hang out with him on a mountaintop? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm there. I'm, can't, I'm get a babysitter. We're going. But were they ready to see the things he was going to show them from a different perspective? I feel like God is always calling us to some alone time with him, but are you ready to see things from a different perspective, from a different place? Here's what it's also, we know it as the transfiguration, if you will, the, the metamorphosis of Jesus, this place of change. I believe that God is going to take some of us some places where we're going to see things in a whole new light, a whole new way. A whole, a whole new level, God is going to show us these things. Here's what happens with the disciples, the three that were there. Verse 29 tells us that as Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Can I just tell you this real quick? God cannot be explained. God has to be revealed. I will never, I will, for all eternity, I will never see everything that makes up the character, the nature, the attributes, the power, the love of God. It's going to take me all eternity for it to be revealed who he is. All that he is. He's a big God. He cannot be explained. Theology tries, but he can only be revealed. I love what Matthew 17 actually says, verse 2. I threw this in there. Normally you don't do this in scripture, but I did this for you. Matthew 17, 2 says, there Jesus was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. 
Back to Luke 9. Suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see as well. And they were speaking with Jesus about his exodus from the world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Let's keep going. Peter and the others had fallen asleep, but when they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and two men standing with him. And Moses and Elijah, were st- as they were starting to leave, Peter, not knowing what he was about to say, blurted out, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters or three tabernacles, if you will. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he was speaking this, a cloud overshadowed them and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. Then a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice finished, Jesus, and only Jesus, was left standing there alone. Father, I thank you for your word today. There are some things you're going to reveal to us in our understanding. Things you're going to reveal to us in our spirits. Things about the very nature of Jesus Christ. And about who we are as vessels filled with your spirit. Today, let your glory be revealed and received in this house today. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Let all God's people say amen. And then look at somebody before you sit down and be like, don't get in the way of Jesus. 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 Does anybody like going to the fair? Anybody like going to the fair? Anybody like going? Anybody hate going to the fair? Anybody hate going to the fair? Come on, because they gouge you. Come on, price gouging galore. $10 for some cotton candy? What? That's just sinful. I'm still going to pay it, but that's sinful. That's wrong. What's going on? Here's what I always remember about the county fairs. It was always, if you remember about the county fair, there were always those voices that were trying to woo you. Come try this. You, you want some of this. You, you can win this if you just participate. You've got, you got to come and check this out over here. Those voices always trying to woo you. And if you went with your parent... At least, thank God, there was a parent there to, to look back at you and, and either give you permission or protection. Uh-uh. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I hate taking my kids to the fair because they're going to keep playing the same game until they win something. So $200 later, all they got was a stuffed animal. Daddy's there to be like, don't listen to them voices. I'm trying to protect you for what they're trying to take from you. The... the, the, the the understanding is just simply this. We need a little help sometimes. We need someone, a, a, a loving father, if you will, to grant us permission to do certain things that we're supposed to, but also protection to keep us from things that we have no right touching or being a part. Anybody else just need a little help sometimes? Just, just, just hearing the, the right voice, just, just being obedient to the, the right. Sometimes, see, we, we pray because we want God to hear us, but here's what God is making clear even in this text today. God is going to speak back to you, but if you are not listening to the only authoritative voice known as Jesus, you will never actually hear what God is saying to your life. So all the self-help you can look for, all the websites you can go and do your research on, every other person who's got an opinion, 
and throws it out there on Facebook like it's gospel. If you adhere to that and don't adhere to what Jesus says, I understand why your prayers are not being answered. something so unique about this whole story, this whole situation, if you will, that reveals to us what it means when I pray and I ask God for something. He tells me, I'm speaking, but there's only one word I'm speaking. He's known as Jesus, the word made flesh, who tabernacled, dwelt amongst us. Here's what I know about the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You may have heard the term before, the synoptic gospels. It refers to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic gospels. Very similar, in similar storytelling, or, or similar stories, if you will. Hey, let there be light. It was good. In the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, God only speaks audibly twice. The first time he does it is when Jesus is being baptized. The second time was right here that we saw in Luke chapter 9. The very first time that God speaks Actually, both times that God speaks, he says this. This is my beloved son. But down at the river, as Jesus is getting dunked and brought up out of the water, God finishes with an affirmation. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God affirms Jesus. But the second time God speaks up on top of that mountain, not down in the valley, not down in the water, on top of the mountain. God speaks with clarification. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. God is making something very, very, very clear. There is only one definitive voice in the entire universe, and that is the voice of Jesus. He is not one voice amongst many voices. He is the voice. Just to prove it, what does God do? God speaks. Moses and Elijah show up, but then they disappear, and the only one left standing there is Jesus. He is the definitive voice in the universe. He is the only one who can fulfill both the law and the prophets. And he alone remains Jesus. Hebrews actually says it like this. In the past, God spoke to us, to our forefathers, through the prophets, and at many times in various ways. But in these days, he has spoken to us by his son. That means everything that has come before, everything that God has ever done, anything that God has ever accomplished in times past, it now all converges in one place. Jesus Christ, his son. All. All. All about Jesus. All about Jesus. Now, here's what I love about this text. And really, this is probably the reason why it's it's one of my favorite texts in Scripture. Because what we have here is what we call the biblical equivalent of the dream team. Think about it. Moses, the man who took on Pharaoh, was the deliverer of the, the nation of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. He was the one who got the law, the commandments, and gave them. 
to the Hebrews. We got Moses. We got Elijah. Woo, that man right there who called down fire from heaven. And boom, watched an entire sacrifice surrounded by water, all licked up and dried up. The man himself who took on Jezebel. I'm not talking about your wife. Hello, somebody. I'm talking about that woman who thought she could rise up against God's anointed. He took these things. This brother, was a, he was a powerful prophet performing miracles. The man, he was literally taken up in a whirlwind when he left this earth. Then he got Petey. Can't nobody preach or curse like Petey. Read your Bible. Peter, the rock. And then the sons of thunder, James and John. He was so cool about it. This is the one time in scripture that you have the Bible's first and final author in the same exact spot. Woo! Talk about the dream team. Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird on the same team, and LeBron sitting on the end of the bench. Where he belongs. Oh! See, the reason you support him is because you didn't get to see Michael play. Some things have to be revealed. Well, I was talking with some young kids the other day trying to give me some nonsense about how LeBron is better than Michael. And I just had to tell them, you're just young and inexperienced. You don't know what you're talking about. I got it. You've only seen LeBron play. You have no idea what the game was like 20 years ago. Can I just give this to you from a spiritual standpoint? You are young and inexperienced in the faith, and you don't know all the great things God can do and will do. And what he's done in times past, he will do it again. He's not Michael. He didn't retire. He's ever at work for your good every day, every moment, working on your behalf. I serve a God that don't give up, doesn't sleep, doesn't slumber. He won't stop. He can't give up. It's who he is. Working for my good. Them youngers don't know what they're talking about. When you've experienced God in a way that He has shown Himself faithful, true. A deliverer, a healer, a helper, victorious, time and time and time and time again. That's why we say, my God, how great you are. Because nothing compares. I didn't mean to go off on that tangent. The dream team. The dream team. In the same spot. Right there, there we are. And that guard, 6'6". Six, six. From Bethlehem. <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth. There he is. This whole dream team. This is, this is such a cool, uh, almost mind-boggling reference to see what is Jesus doing talking with two dead men. Well, one of them died. The other one got taken up. What, what's happening here? What is, what is literally going on? And in spite of the fact that our heroes of the faith were all present and gathered in the same spot. What does God command? God does not command them. These are my priceless servants. Listen to them. It's not what God says. God says, and he makes it very clear. Jesus is my only begotten son. Listen to him. Can I tell somebody today? Only Jesus can transfigure you. 
Only Jesus can transform you. Only Jesus can alter you. doesn't matter what your life has been like in times past. Jesus has a greater future for you. And if you will be willing to place your life in his unchanging hands, he will mold and make you in his image. Why do church people not give their life to Jesus completely? Why do we want to do, do our religious thing on Sundays but not completely give all? Because we're listening to other voices. Somewhere along the way, we've decided he's not the only definitive voice in my life. If you're not listening to, to other people, you're listening to yourself. Your sinful passions and desires. The lust of the flesh, the lust of life, the pride, the pride of life, the lust of the eye. You're listening to these things. These are the voices that become definitive. It, it's crazy for me. To watch people who grew up in church, know God personally, and then turn away from him. How did that, how did that happen? Oh, my sheep know my voice. The voice of another. Hmm. Another voice grabbed a hold of their attention. They decided somewhere another voice was on equal par with the definitive voice Jesus, they're no longer listening to him, but I believe that Jesus today wants to transfigure us, show us what's really on the inside, and let it be fully revealed on the outside. Can I get an amen? amen. Here's one thing that really always intrigued me about this story. Why did Moses and Elijah have to show up? Why did they have to be there? I mean, obviously... They're two of the most important figures in the, in the entire Old Testament. All the things that they accomplished, all the things that they did. Moses writing the first five books of the Old Covenant anyway. Very important figures. Understanding that someone was going to come in the spirit of Elijah. In fact, when Jesus one time said, who do people say that I am? The first thing they said, some say you're Elijah. So that's who they think you are. Very important figures under the Old Covenant. And of course, they represent... Two major divisions of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. But there's possibly something deeper going on here. Anybody want to come with me just for a little bit? We're ready to journey down this rabbit trail together? All right. Back in school, they used to tell me to put my thinking cap on. Because it means I need to use my brain for just a moment. Listen, one thing that stands out to me about both Elijah and Moses they had very intimate encounters with God, very personal, powerful encounters with God, where God revealed his glory to them. But they could not see his face. Think about it. Exodus 33. Moses said, show me your glory. Please, show me your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. Verse 20. But you cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. I'm that holy. I'm that set apart. I'm that powerful. In your human, earthly, physical form, you cannot behold the fullness of my glory in my face and still live. Elijah, in 1 Kings 19, he had just been on the run from Jezebel. And he's hiding in a cave. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And God said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 11. 
God said, go and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. A still, small voice. And then Elisha heard it. And he wrapped his face in a cloak. And then he went and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? Two men with very personal, very powerful experiences with the glory of God. But neither one of them were able to see God's face. God wouldn't show Moses. And Elijah had enough smarts to say, I can't look on him and live. Let me wrap my face in a cloak. Maybe, just maybe, God in all his kindness allowed these two men to show up the day Jesus is transfigured so that they finally get to see his face. (laughs) This is just preacher stuff right here. I got it. It just makes me happy. The truth is, Colossians 1.5 says, the Son is the image of the invisible God. Even better, 2 Corinthians 4.6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus. Maybe, just maybe, God wanted to show these men, even after they were long gone, there's still something about me that I want to reveal to you. Can I encourage somebody today? God is going to keep his promises to you. God is going to keep his word to you. And if he told you in times past, I will reveal my glory to you. Just be patient. It's going to happen. It's going to happen gonna happen now here's what i love about Petey. i can relate to pete come on somebody lord it is good for us to be here let's build three tabernacles three monuments right now anyone else ever said something dumb especially because you just didn't know what to say Petey. Thank God for Petey. Man. I feel like I can make it in this walk with Jesus Christ because of examples like Peter. I'm a pastor. I get cornered with questions all the time. You know, do you realize that pastors are the only people on this planet besides EMTs that are expected to show up at everything? No matter what time of day, no matter what situation, no matter how difficult. Just us. Just us. Woo, I'm not even qualified for most of the stuff I have to deal with. Come on, somebody. And sometimes I had to say some stuff. Come on. I had to say stuff. I'm like, this sounds spiritual. Let me say this. Oh, Lord, let me build three tabernacles. One for you. One for Moses. One for Elijah. That sounds good. Yeah. The problem isn't what Peter, what Peter spoke or that he spoke. The problem is what he said. What he spoke was heresy. He was trying to put Moses and Elijah on the same platform as Jesus. That's heresy, baby. 
There, there, is, there is no comparison whatsoever. And literally, here's what happens. God makes sure that they know absolutely, 100%, there is no one else like Jesus. He's not a son. He's not the best son. God says, this is my son, my only. Let me be very clear so you understand, Peter, so you get it, James and John. There is no one else like him now, before, or ever. Moses, who symbolized the past. Jesus, who is the present. Elijah, who will be the future, who will come in the book of Revelation. You've got to know, no one else is like Jesus in the past, the present, or the future. He is by himself 100% unique set apart nobody like him just for a moment can I get some people to help me out who recognize I've looked and I've searched and I've been around and I've had relationships and I've tried religions and I've tried other things but there is no one nothing in the entire world like Jesus somebody testify that truth today You know I used to say back in the day? Can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like Lord. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. He my friend. Sit down, sit down. There's nobody like him. He's unique like that. There is no one ever that compares. And God makes sure that their heroes are standing right in front of them so they can see no one gets in the way of Jesus. No one shares in his glory. No one is like him. Now, you know what? I rejoice in that. Because when I needed redemption, God didn't send an educator. God didn't send a financial planner. God didn't send some political uh, person. I needed a savior. He sent a redeemer to buy me back. So there's no one like Jesus. But here's why I want to just take things just from a slightly different angle for just a moment. We call the transfiguration because Jesus literally is transformed in front of their eyes. But the transformation isn't Cosmic plastic surgery, if you will. What happens is what was on the inside of him now starts to be fully revealed on the outside. Let me give you this last thought. I titled this message Transfigured or Prefigured. The moment he was transfigured, But maybe, just maybe, there was something bigger at work here. Prefigure, again, just simply means it's a foreshadowing. A foretaste of what is to come. I love what Matthew actually says there. His his account, he says that Jesus' face, it shined like the sun. Jesus was the first super saiyan, baby. It was the first. His face just shined. It's in this moment that he is altered, that he is changed, 
that what was on the inside is now fully revealed on the outside. So if the whole point of this text, this story today was just simply Jesus is God. Well, then, of course, crazy things are going to happen. He's got to make sure you know he's God. I got it. Oh, there's two dead men. Oh, yep. Oh, there's Jesus shining. Whoa. Dang. It scared the mess out of Peter. He didn't know what to say. We already covered that. They fell to the ground in terror, Matthew tells us. Jesus came over here to touch them. But they know everything else is gone. But I remain. Here's what I want you to see. If the whole point of the story was just that Jesus is different from us. But what if. What if the transfiguration is also a way for him to show us a foreshadowing of what we will be as well. Now, I don't have time to get into this today. I'll try to do this next week. But the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve were naked and didn't know it. They were clothed in something else. I'll talk about that next week. <clears throat> but when they realized they were naked, they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. And what's the only thing that Jesus ever cursed in the new covenant? The very thing that we try to use to cover our, our sin and shame. <clears throat> fig leaves. Because, you know, he cursed fig leaves. A fig tree. Yeah, just... I love when preachers do that, expecting everybody to grasp it. Like, what? What, what? what was it? I'll tell you. <clears throat> what Adam lost wasn't just relationship with God. Adam lost the glory that clothed him. But then not just the second Adam, the last Adam. The word made flesh. Literally the glory put inside a human canvas, if you will. And there he is, once again, revealing what glory looks like. I don't want to blow next week for you. I'm trying to let you know it's going to be awesome. The glory was revealed. Matthew, Mark, and Luke speak of the transfiguration, but John, which Reverend Joshua was talking about last week, in the very first chapter, he talks about the transfiguration. When we beheld his, glo his glory, we beheld it. John doesn't wait to the end of the book. He lets you know from the get-go, I beheld his glory. I just want to know here today, is there anybody who just doesn't want to see it? They want to re receive. I don't want to just perceive. The I need to receive the glory of God. Let me finish. Let me finish. The whole point of this story was just to show that Jesus is different. We got it. But what if the transfiguration was a moment where not just divine glory burst out of Jesus? What if it was also human glory? Hold on. The kind of glory that will be revealed in all of us. Hold on. Just come with me. Just for a moment. I gave this scripture to a fourth generation David yesterday. Because I believe this is what's coming for all of our lives. 
First John 3, 2. Beloved, we are all God's children now. And what we will be has not yet happened. It's not yet appeared in our lives. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Let me just put it another way. What if what Peter, James, and John saw the day, that day in Jesus' face was actually a mirror image of their future selves? Prefigured, transfigured in the moment, but prefigured for what they themselves were going to become. And Jesus actually uses the kind of language that right, what, what, what are righteous people going to look like the day that the God, the Father comes and sets up his kingdom. Matthew chapter 13. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. Wait a minute. You mean exactly how Jesus looked that moment on top of the mountain is how I'm going to look like for all eternity when he returns? That's exactly right, baby. The fullness of his glory, the fullness of his splendor, not unto us, but to him be the glory, the honor, the power, the praise, and he bestows it on us. Think about it like this. 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we all who with unveiled faces unveiled faces we behold the glory of the Lord as being transformed into the same image from glory to glory even as from the Lord the Spirit how is it I reflect Jesus more and more? I'm not just talking about a simple reflection. I'm actually talking about a revelation, a revealing of what's on the inside of me. Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost who is in you. You are not of yourselves, baby. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You've got to understand. I ref- I reveal His glory the more I let the Holy Spirit fill made up overflowing. I'm not talking about being a crazy Pentecostal that just does things because I'm emotional. I'm talking about the fullness of the fruit, the fullness of the gifts, the fullness of the power, the full glory of God revealed. This is how I know. This is how I know. I will reflect, reveal his glory. The more I say Holy Spirit, it's right there. It's from the Lord, the, the Holy Spirit. The more I say, Holy Spirit. I don't just need it. I don't need an epiphany at the cross that I'm a sinner. I already know that. I need the revelation that the work of the kingdom did not stop at Calvary. That three days later, he defeated death. Ten days later, he made sure he was continuing to show himself to his disciples. Fifty days afterwards, literally, he ascends 40 days after his resurrection. Ten days afterwards, he decides to make sure they know once and for all, my glory is going to be revealed in the earth. No longer through me, because I'm not here anymore. I'm going back to the Father, but I'm going to send you one. The comforter who's going to be in you, going to be with you. He's going to remind you of my voice. Of everything I've said. 
Why do we resist the Holy Spirit? Maybe just maybe we don't want the fullness of God's glory in our life. Maybe we're still looking for personal fame, personal accolades, personal glory. Forgetting the fullness of his glory revealed in my life, through my life, was the very reason I was created in the first place. That's why I'm here. To reveal his glory. Let me say it like this and I'll just wrap up. Yeah. Peter, James, and John, I believe, were looking at their future selves. This is what we're going to look like. His glory being revealed through us. This is why God told me to speak over the city of Aurora two years ago. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Arise, shine. Not arise and reflect. I'm not the moon, baby, that's reflecting the light of the sun. It's not what I am. I have the Son of God living in me, the hope of glory within me. Arise and shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Here's what a rise shine simply means. Get up out of your position and get into his position and radiate his glory forever. One more time. Anybody in this house here today been listening to too many other voices and you need to th- just make it definitively clear. His voice alone, I will listen to. Let me, let me, let me just do this in the spirit of St. Patrick, if you will. There are some spirits that have been on your island for too long. Some little serpents that have been bringing lies and deceit and seduction and have tried to pull you and and manipulate you and poison you away from God's truth. I know it's fable. I know it's legend. There were no, there's no snakes on the island of, of Ireland. I got it. But the truth of the matter remains. People were bound up by lies, bound up by heresy, bound up by false gods, false beliefs, false religions. And a man named Patrick showed up and brought them the truth of the gospel and in a spiritual sense drove out every lying deceptive religious devil off of that island i came to say over your life today i'm here to drive out every lying deceptive manipulative evil poisonous spirit that has come against your family come against your life come against your mind made you believe things about you that aren't true made you think you're less than made you think that god doesn't really care it's a lie and we came to drive it out in the name of jesus You will live and not die. I said you will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. You are the head and not the tail. I know you feel like it sometimes. I know you smell like it sometimes, but you are the head and not the tail. And every deceptive lying serpent that has made you believe their voice. Through the transfiguration, God said there's only one voice you need to listen to from here on out. Only one. One definitive voice. It wasn't Mary. 
It wasn't a saint. It wasn't the most powerful of the Old Testament prophets. It ain't Buddha. It is not Mohammed. It's not your agnosticism or your atheism. There's only one definitive voice. The Word made flesh. Let me pray first for those of you who have been listening to any other voice. I was actually reading this morning from 1 Timothy 4 and then 2 Timothy 4. Talking about how in the last days, people with itchy ears would give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Even in church, they would twist the word of God to fit their own lifestyle. I was talking with a man this week, grown up a Methodist. An entire convention that just happened here in the last, last month. Where now they are debating what their stance is going to be. On the LGBT community. Listen to me. The word of God is definitive and clear. It is clear. I don't have to argue the word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word is going to last forever. It argues for itself. Simply put, we should welcome everybody. Our arms should be open. I don't care where you come from. You need Jesus too. The debate was over who should be leading our churches. Now, Scripture is very clear. You are to be husband of one wife. (laughs) Pastor Olga is stuck with me. Come on, somebody. I'm the only thing in the cupboard, baby. Is it? Refrigerator's bare without me. But these seducing spirits, these doctrines of devils, we started hearing to the mindset of our age, our culture. Oh my God, let me let me sit down because I'm gonna trip over my shoelace. When people are still debating, two thousand years later. After Jesus was here. Almost 3,000 years after certain things were written about discipline for our children. Still debating whether or not I should discipline my kids. Americans used to love corporal punishment. But then a godless mindset, a godless theology started creeping in. Oh, and we, we just need to love them. Yes, you need to love them. But if you love them, then you won't spare the rod. Now, wait a second. Now, now rod, rod, rod means walking stick. You don't know your history. Rod means rod. And though they use it for walking, they also use it for correcting. That's why it's called the rod of... I will never advocate for hitting a child in the face, in the arm, in the stomach, anywhere else but their padded butt. I do not advocate for abuse. Well, you want to know why I can't stand having your kid in CIA some Sundays? Because I'm the only one correcting them all week long.
But the mindset of American culture has been like, oh, no, oh, no, God. I used to live in fear of my grade school principal. His name was Mr. Poole. He was built like Pastor Brian, but six foot seven, I think he was. Just a behemoth of a man. I wasn't scared so much of, of his stature. I was scared because in the 80s, we still had corporal punishment. And if that brother got a paddle in his six foot seven hand, I know I'm on my soapbox right now. I got it. Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about how in the last days, we would start giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Itchy ears. Literally looking for preachers, teachers that will give us what we want to hear. And tell me, just please just tell me when that blogger that you accidentally found one day has the same authority over your life as the word of God. Oh, I read, the, I read this post one time. From who? Somebody who's got like 20 followers? And now you buy into what they say? You've heard every other voice. You've been seduced. And today the shepherd of your soul, the overseer of your soul, is saying, come back to me. Hear my voice again. Listen to me again. Adhere to me again. Who else has the words of life? But Jesus. See, we will always struggle with who we are when we don't know who he is. We don't hear what he's saying. His voice alone stands above the rest to tell me who I am and what I can have. Is there anybody in this house who recognizes his voice, hears his voice, and knows that his voice still corrects you when you're wrong? His voice still instructs you when you're lost. His voice still brings you through situations. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no because he's with you. His rod and his staff, they're there to correct and comfort me. And I wouldn't know these things outside of his word. Anybody just tired of hearing any other voice but the voice of Jesus? If that's you right now, just where you sit, just want you to lift your hands high to heaven and say, yep, I need my... He who has ears to hear, she who has ears to hear, let them hear. Let them hear. His voice is definitive. Right now, some of you have been listening to too many other lies, too much other nonsense. Today is the day you need to say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me for listening to the media. Lord, forgive me for listening to those influential voices around me. Lord, forgive me for believing that LeBron is better than Michael. Lord, forgive me. Lord, Lord, forgive me for the lies that I've bought into on a personal level about myself. The lies I bought into about my future. The lies that I bought into about my giving. The lies I bought into about the church. The lies I bought into about your Holy Spirit. Lord, forgive me for being seduced by other voices. Right now, Lord, I surrender. My hearing, once again, to your voice. Why are we doing this? Because we don't just want to hear his glory. We don't just want to see his glory. We want to receive, receive his glory. The glory that is going to be revealed in us. The prefiguration. Of everything that is already on the inside. That's why I quoted this earlier from Ephesians. Now unto him.
who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think. Please finish it with me. According to the power that works in us. I'm going to counteract the lie right now. There's power inside of you. Someone's told you you were powerless. There's power on the inside of you. Someone told you you were worthless. There's power on the inside of you. Some lie from Satan has made you believe the power of God is not for today. Now there's power working on the inside of you. It's time to start tapping in to the glory, the supernatural weight of God. Now's the time. Now whoever this next part is for. I know it's not everybody. So let's close our eyes. Because the just shall live by faith anyway. If you want to do more than just see his glory, this is your time to receive his glory. Ooh, and you feel it in your spirit. You feel it stirring on the inside of you. This is your time. I'm going to ask you to stand your feet and throw your hands up high to heaven. If that's you. I don't want to just hear it. I don't want to just see it. I want to receive his glory. Come on, stand your feet and throw your hands up to heaven. Heavenly Father, all over this room, I know there are many women here present. Our time is short. It is time to arise and shine. For our light has come. And the glory of the Lord literally has risen upon us. The glory of the Lord. Not just reflected. It's risen upon us. Within us. From us. Your glory, Lord. We need to see your glory, Lord. We need to see your glory. We need to hear your glory. We need to hear it. But more than that, we want to receive. Receive your glory. Moses could only pray, show me your glory. Elijah had to cover his face not to see it. Ooh, but God is speaking to us in these days. The fullness of his glory is revealed in his son. I want to receive Jesus. I want to to receive his spirit. Today, we receive the glory of God. The light that expels darkness. The weight of glory that crushes everything that's come against us. Lord, we need to receive your glory today. Receive it today. Thank you for listening to this week's message on the Impact Church Aurora podcast. Please feel free to subscribe, rate, and review. For more information or to give, please visit us at www.impactchurchaurora.com. Now, go out into the world and continue making an impact.